0: be there but we were able to live in community and just see that he kept providing for people to come back and covering their salaries and when the opportunity arose for me to step in to full-time ministry we were a little overwhelmed but we sent an email to prayer partners and within a week Moberly had reached out to partner with us and we had two other substantial donations and it just confirmed that he was going to cover our costs to stay and then COVID happened when we were supposed to come home and raise support. And we sent another prayer email and we sent two follow-up emails. And through that, God covered our whole year for us to be there. And we never went without. And even in this coming home this summer, he just continues to show up and meet every need that we could ask for. And it's a huge faith builder. For him especially, he's our warrior. Uh, <laughs> God just put it on his heart that through this year, each month, he was going to go through the gospels. And every time we've talked about raising support, he's like, well, this morning in my devotional, my anxiety was a little bit high. And I read a part where God had said, go, go, and I'm going to cover your needs. I'm going to take care of you. And it's just the Bible reaffirms that he's going to continue to support. And we're going to keep going and teaching and saying yes to his call.
1: That's awesome. And I know that um they're here somewhat to raise support so if you're interested in helping them uh, they're going to be at the mission wall and the service is over today and i would just encourage you at least go by and meet them and talk to them get a prayer card or or get on their email list so that you can uh, get information about their updates that are going on and maybe god will lead you to help support them but i want us to pray for them today they're going back in a couple of weeks and just to pray for their ministry and all their needs that they have this this is one of our couples this this, they're from our church and so we want to be part of, of partnering with you guys let's pray together God, we do thank you today that you call people, you still call people, uh, to go to places they're unfamiliar with, Lord, and just trust you. And I know, God, as you've been faithful in the past, you're going to be faithful in the future because you don't change. And so I pray that you will provide everything that John and Brittany and their family need for their needs financially, but also for their needs spiritually, for what their kids need, Lord, and just for the upcoming school year and the ministry that's going to happen through the relationships they have as they share the gospel uh, with all kinds of people. And I just... Pray that you'll make the way straight for them. I pray that you'll provide everything that they need. And just thank you for the example they are to all of us of someone who's serving you in maybe not such an easy thing, in not such an easy place. And uh, just pray that you'll bless them. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that you've called them. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys, for coming up today. So when you think about what they're doing, for some of you, you would think about going and doing that, and that would be an inconceivable idea to you to actually leave everything that's familiar to you and move to a part of the world that you're completely unfamiliar with, where there's a different way of life, a different culture, a different language, all those kind of things. And actually serve Jesus. But what I love about the Burgesses is they're doing it to serve Jesus. It's about serving him. And and when you submit to him, you may find yourself surprised at how he actually wants to use you, what he actually calls you to do. And for some of you that's scary, but honestly Uh, The reality is if they had more time to talk, they would tell you about all the blessings that they found also in serving the Lord this year and the last couple of years over there. So so I I just want to challenge you guys, as you think about serving, remember whatever you're doing to serve him to keep it personal. The second thing I would say, not only keep it personal, but keep it joyful. Jesus says here to his followers, the sheep, Come and enter the kingdom of heaven. Come inherit the kingdom of heaven that the Father has prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And I believe he's saying that with joy. I believe he's welcoming in his children, the sheep, and saying, come into the kingdom. We've been waiting for you. We've been working for this. We've been preparing for you since before time began. And I can say that because in Luke 12, 32, Jesus said, don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. So now do you hear the joy in his voice? When he's saying, come, enter the kingdom of heaven. Come, inherit the kingdom of heaven. So the Lord gives us his kingdom joyfully. Everything Jesus went about his life doing when he was on the earth was to do it with joy. In fact, even facing the cross, because in Hebrews twelve two it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Even the cross, the most difficult, hard thing anybody could ever face, he did that even with joy. So my question for us is when we think about serving it ought to be personal. It's about Jesus, but it also, because it's about Jesus, it ought to have joy. You ought to have a sense of joy in the way that you serve the Lord in whatever you're doing. Has it, has it lost its joy for you? Has serving become dreadful? <laughs> oh man, I got to go do this again. Have you lost the joy of it? Jesus went through his whole life with joy in his life. When I was a college student, I was an intern at Bellevue Baptist Church for two summers. And one of the things we would do is we would take about 100 people from Memphis, Tennessee to Winslow, Arizona, to work on the Navajo Indian Reservation. We would do vacation Bible schools and have revival services at night. But this was a huge undertaking. All these vans would travel for two days from Memphis to Winslow. And then we took this huge box truck that had literally uh, a kitchen in it because we took all the kitchen staff from Bellevue and the guy who was their cook and chef and we brought stoves and warmers and all this stuff. We set up a huge mess tent. We camped in tents and so we had cots and tents and. This truck was just full of stuff. We set up a mess tent, we set up a revival tent, puppet stage, I mean, all this stuff, sound system, and we're out in the middle of nowhere. Generator, I mean, we're literally in the desert on this Navajo Indian Reservation. And on the way out there, one of the responsibilities I had as an intern was to be the first one off the van whenever we stopped every night at the motel to get the luggage off to start unloading the luggage, which wasn't terrible at the end of the day, but that was also my responsibility the first part of the day. So you get up, you take a shower, you're all clean, you go outside in Memphis or wherever we were, and you unload a luggage truck, or you load a luggage truck back. So then you get on the van, and you're stinky and sweaty for the rest of the day. It's awesome, right? I'm a clean person. I don't like to be sweaty and stinky the whole day, you know? So I had a little bit of an attitude about it. I was like, why? Why do I got to do this, God? Why couldn't I do the devotional this morning? Why couldn't I go get breakfast? How come I got to load the truck, you know? So at the end of that trip, we went to Colorado for a couple of days, to Uray, Colorado, and we were up in the, the mountains doing these Jeep rides, and so we stopped for lunch and had about 30 minutes to just, they said, everybody go have a quiet time, you know, enjoy God's creation up here on this mountaintop. And so for me, I I don't think I'd ever read Matthew 25 before in my life. And I just was reading my Bible, and I read this passage that I'm sharing with you today. And God convicted me that I had really lost the joy of serving him. I was complaining under my breath, in my heart, in my mind, about the things that I had to do because, you know, I didn't get picked for the better thing. You know, I had to go load the truck, unload the truck. And I thought, you know, There's a lot of joy even in unloading a truck and loading a truck if you're doing it for Jesus. So my attitude completely flipped about it. And I was like, you know, the rest of the way home, I'll load that truck, I'll unload that truck. I don't care what you ask me to do, Jesus, because you take it personally, I'm going to do it for you. I don't care if anybody recognizes it or notices it or sees me or this other guy gets to do the devotional or whatever. Lord, I'll do it for you. And find joy in it because I get to do it for you. Does that does that describe how you serve the Lord? Whatever you're asked to do, whether it's work in preschool or youth ministry or drive a golf cart or open a door for somebody on Sunday morning, give them a welcome guide or a thousand other things, come up here on a Tuesday and help a benevolence ministry or work on a committee or a task force or whatever God asks you to do, do you do it with joy because you get to do it for him? Because it's all about him. So That's a question this morning. When you serve the Lord, have you lost the joy of doing it? Let me ask you to return to that and remember that when you serve, the way to keep it simple is to keep it personal and to keep it joyful. But the last thing this morning I want to share with you is to keep it meaningful. When you serve, keep it meaningful. Because Jesus says here, basically this is a picture of eternity. He's talking about what's going to happen in eternity when we leave this life and we go stand before him. And, yes, there's going to be judgment, And part of that judgment, though, is going to be about how we lived our lives while we were here. And it's a a picture of the future for every one of us. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there, even if you're not a believer, because it's the sheep and the goats. He's going to divide all the nations according to whether or not they trusted him as Savior. And it's, it's going to be a telling day. So whenever you serve him... Even the littlest thing, giving somebody something to drink or something to eat or providing clothes for them or going to visit them, whatever it is, he says it's eternal. It has meaning. Do you ever think about that when you visited somebody who was sick, you took something by their house? Maybe you gave somebody something to eat who was hungry or you gave them something to drink or sent somebody a card when they were sick or maybe somebody was in prison and you sent them a card or a gift or went by to try to see them. Those things are meaningful because they last forever, according to Jesus. They're not forgotten by Jesus. It's never for nothing when we serve the Lord, even if it's a very small thing in our eyes. If we do it for him, it has meaning. And what what Jesus is teaching here is that everything we do for him has an eternal impact. So that's a a very motivating thing when you think about it. So a lot of times people serve and they, they, they think, man, why do I keep doing this? Why am I doing this? And they lose sight of the eternal But when you serve Jesus you're doing something that lasts forever and and the reality is when you serve in the church you're helping us to accomplish our mission of people leading people into a life-changing ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ your little part contributes to the whole it has an eternal impact that's why when you go out in the community like what people did yesterday from our church and they serve I don't know if they had gospel conversations. They probably did. But even if they didn't, they went out there and represented Jesus to people who were having needs. They did all kinds of wonderful stuff yesterday. And it wasn't just the same thing as serving with the Kiwanis Club or the Lions Club or some other philanthropic group or some other civic group. And those can be great because some of you do those things because you love Jesus and you want to be a light and you want to be salt in those environments. So I get that. I'm not downplaying that. But the most meaningful service is service that is eternal. Service that's going to last forever. Service that's connected to the gospel. You know, we have a life-changing question here at Moberly. It says, how am I partnering with Moberly to help people change the world? When you partner in the ministries here, you're you're pouring into people's lives. You're investing in people's lives in a way that causes them to leave here whenever they go, wherever they go in their life. And it may be Budapest. It may be somewhere else. It may be Africa. And they, they help to see other people's lives change. You get to have a part of that. And Jesus says when you do that, it matters. It, it's meaningful. It lasts forever. So, so whatever it is you're asked to do, the question is, has it lost its meaning for you? The first time I got to go to Africa was in 2008. We took kids over there for the very first time, and I was so pumped about it. And I would ask a few people that I knew in my little sphere of influence in the world here to pray for me and Christy and for our family. My son went as well, and I said, "Hey, just pray for us, and um, we're not raising support or anything, but we just want you to pray." And so there's a man that worked out at the gym that I went to, and he was an older man. He went to another church here in town, and I knew he's a believer. So I said, "Hey, I want to ask you to pray. We're going to Africa in a couple of weeks, and uh, we're going to be doing ministry over there. And so would you just would you partner with me to pray with me uh, while I'm gone on that trip?" He said, "Yeah. What are you going to be doing in Africa?" I said, "Well, as I understand it, we're going to because I've never been before. I said, as I understand it, we're going to be going out into villages." away from the city of La Longway, probably an hour, hour and a half away from the city, and we're going to be just going up to people and asking them to come outside their house and just telling them about Jesus and telling them that we've come from America to share a very, very important message with them from God himself, which is that God loves them and wants to have a relationship with them. So we're going to be sharing the gospel. And he looked at me and he was disappointed. <laughs> I could tell by the look on his face that's not what he thought we were going to do. I said, what's the matter? He goes, are y'all not going to dig water wells? I said, no, we're not going to dig water wells. He goes, well, why in the world would you go all the way to Africa and not go meet their greatest need that they have? Their greatest need is clean water. I mean, they die of disease because they don't have clean water. And so why would you go all that way and spend all that money and the trouble to go all that, that distance and not meet their basic need? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. If we went over there, and we dug water wells the whole time we were there and we didn't tell people about Jesus and they lived 80 years and had hell for 80 years and then they died and went to hell. What, what's the benefit of that? Well, the ideal would be to do both. <laughs> Dig water wells and tell people about Jesus, which is what we help do now. Part of who we work with the U-Turn Ministries, they do both of those things. So it's a partnership and that's a good thing. But his point was, why wouldn't you meet their physical needs before you worry about their spiritual needs? And I guess my perspective was, Digging a water well is not eternal. It could help. It could contribute to that if you share the gospel with it. But if everybody lives 80, 90 years and they die and don't go to heaven, then what have we really accomplished? Jesus said if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, what does it profit you? So the reality is when you serve the Lord, make sure that you're serving in a way that has an eternal benefit, an eternal impact. And most of what we do here at the church, I would dare say all of it, as you serve here at the church is designed to do that very thing, to help lead people to Jesus and to have an eternal impact. And So maybe maybe today you needed this reminder just to say, you know, I do want to serve the Lord. My focus has changed. I've gotten it off the Lord. It's become about other things. It's become about me. It's become about what I want to do versus what I don't want to do. It's become about how early I want to get up versus how early I don't want to get up. Or it's become about other things, but I've lost the focus of just serving Jesus. Or maybe... You'd say, well, I'm trying to stay focused on serving Jesus, but I just don't really have any joy in the things that I'm doing for the Lord anymore. Or maybe you would say, I've lost the sense of meaning. I've lost the idea, forgotten that this is eternal, that it matters not just here, not just this year, not just next year, but it actually matters forever. And that Jesus, there will be a day in the future where Jesus recalls it, remembers it, and rewards it because of the way that I served him. Maybe you need that reminder today, but I said a minute ago, this passage is also about judgment because there's not a a more clear passage in the Bible that talks about what's gonna happen to people who don't know Jesus. Now, you might be tempted to think, well, the passage says that if if you do good things for Jesus, you go to heaven, that if you're feeding the people and clothing the people and giving them something to drink and going to visit them when they're sick and in prison and that you're gonna go to heaven because of that. That's That's your temptation when you read that passage. But that's not consistent with Scripture at all. None of us can do anything on our own to earn the right to go to heaven or to earn a relationship with God. None of us can do that. The story is about who one group of people is versus the other. It's about their identity and their character. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, he, he adopts you into his family. He makes you a sheep. And because you're a follower of his, you serve him in lots of ways, unexpected sometimes. Sometimes you're even unaware of how all the ways you serve him, because they said to Jesus, when did we see you like that, Lord? When did we ever see you like that? They forgot that whatever they they did, they did for him personally. He took it personally. But this morning, this is about judgment to some degree. It talks about what's gonna happen to people who don't know him, because when that day comes, it's too late to make any kind of decision. It's too late to change your eternal destiny. So that's why we emphasize it so much here on this side of eternity, while you still have a chance to receive Jesus as your Savior. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one can come to the Father unless he comes through me. Paul said, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's pretty exclusive. But that's what Jesus said, and that's what I believe. That's who I follow. He said he is the only way. We know the Bible says that everybody has sinned, and and really no one can deny that they've sinned. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this morning, many of you, I know, are sheep. You've already received the gift of eternal life. You're not a sheep because you did something good or because you did anything except put your trust in Jesus Christ. You remember the Philippian jailer? He came out and he asked Paul, man, Paul, you're still here in the jail. Every, all your chains were broken. You could have left. And the earthquake happened. And he goes, what do I have to do to be saved? What did Paul say? Paul said, believe in your heart and Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Which means to trust in Jesus, to believe that Jesus is the Savior, to put all to gamble everything on Jesus, (laughs) to bet everything about eternity on him, to say, I'm putting my trust in Jesus. He is the only way that I can be saved. And to repent of my sin, to let go of my sin, abandon it and say, I am gonna live for you, Jesus, because you're the savior of the world. You're God in the flesh. So this morning, I'm gonna ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. We've got time. We've got five minutes, so plenty of time here. I ask you not to leave. And if you've never asked Christ to come into your life this morning, but you want to, Bible says if you haven't, you're a goat. You're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to have eternal life. You don't have a relationship with him now, though you might think you do. You can't if your sin is not taken care of. The only way you can have a relationship with him is for your sin to be forgiven. And the only way that can happen is through Jesus Christ. But the good news is it's a gift. So you don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You just can receive it as a gift. And this morning, if you'd like to receive the gift of eternal life, I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand wherever you are in the room today. And be bold about it because it's the best decision you'll ever make and you're in a room full of people who for the most part have already made this decision. You're watching online, I say the same thing to you this morning. If you're ready to receive Jesus, the Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'd like to lead you in a time of calling on his name this morning, of repenting of your sin, of giving your life to him, trusting him for eternity. So. You can just say these words to God this morning. There's nothing magical about them, but the Bible says whoever will call upon his name will be saved. So let me just lead you through that. Just say this, dear God in heaven, you can use your own words or my words, whatever you want to do. He knows your heart, and that's what matters. I know I'm a sinful person. I know I've hurt you and offended you with my sin. And I'm sorry. I don't want sin. Any any part of it. I reject it. I abandon it. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want you to lead my life. I want to be with you forever. (laughs) Thank you for sending Jesus. I trust him. Thank you for saving me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.